Soldiers can suffer terrible losses in combat. Fortunately, the Edward Hines Veterans Administration Hospital, just outside Chicago, has an amazing new transplant center to help those who need a kidney. When we are serving those who have served our country, and veterans are, I don't know how else to describe this, but they're made of a different fabric. And it's such an honor to talk with them and to take care of them and to give them this new lease on life. That's the medical director of the Kidney Transplant Program at Heinz, Dr. Manpreet Samra. I'm Monica Fox, Director of Outreach and Government Relations for the National Kidney Foundation of Illinois, and your host for this edition of The Journey Continues. This time I'm talking to Dr. Samra about how her career led her to caring for American heroes and giving them a second chance at life. Let's just get right into it. Tell me about your career as a nephrologist. As far as my journey in transplant, I started at the University of Chicago where I did uh, my transplant fellowship with Dr. Michelle Joseph. And thereafter, I was at UIC where we crossed paths. Had a wonderful early career there before I was recruited here to the Heinz VA to start a brand new kidney transplant program for the veterans. We are the eighth kidney transplant program that the VA has started in the entire country. And it has been such an honor to start this and to see this program grow and to see all the veterans' lives and their families that we've touched. So what inspired you to become a nephrologist to treat kidney patients? So what started my kidney interest was the physiology of kidneys. It's just always been so interesting to me since medical school through residency. And then I knew I wanted to subspecialize beyond internal medicine. And I wanted something where I knew I was making a difference and where I could have a long-term relationship with patients, as well as using my mathematical skills. Uh, Believe it or not, we use a lot of math in nephrology, a lot of formulas. And so that's how it started. But during my nephrology fellowship, I did my rotations in transplant at UCLA with Dr. Gabe Danovich. And he is the person who wrote the handbook on kidney transplantation. And it's simply not possible to rotate with him and not be inspired to become a transplant nephrologist yourself. So what's the difference between a nephrologist and a transplant nephrologist? So a nephrologist, after doing three years of internal medicine residency, does two to three additional years of nephrology training. Two years is a clinical fellowship, and three years includes a year of research. And a transplant nephrologist, in addition to the nephrology fellowship, will do a one year of transplant nephrology training or will have specific experience with transplant specifically. So a nephrologist takes care of all aspects of kidney care, including chronic kidney disease, dialysis, peritoneal dialysis, acute inpatient dialysis, as well as outpatient. And a transplant nephrologist focuses on the pre-transplant evaluation, ensuring patients are appropriate transplant candidates, seeing the patient through transplant, and then post. And as the transplant program director, 
How do your administrative responsibilities affect the amount of time you spend with patients? They both go hand in hand because some of the administrative responsibilities have to do with how we can improve patient care. And a lot of it involves quality improvement. How do we continuously improve the care that we're providing for the veterans at our kidney transplant program? Of course, our clinical care is completely separate in terms of inpatient and outpatient care. And can you tell us about the beginning of the Heinz program? I'd have to go back to um, our chief of nephrology, Dr. Karen Griffin, who identified the need for a local kidney transplant center at our VA and in our area, in our region. Prior to this, patients from our area, the Chicagoland area in the Midwest, would go to Iowa or to Pittsburgh, Houston, the Bronx, um, Alabama, uh, Nashville. And um, that's where the majority of the kidney transplant programs are. And there's one on the West Coast in Portland. So she identified the need for a local transplant center here, put in the application with the National Surgical Office, the NSO at the VA, and this was approved. As soon as this was approved, we were able to start hiring our surgical director, our medical director, our transplant administrator, our nurses, our nurse practitioners, our pharmacists, our pre-transplant coordinators, post-transplant coordinators, and we had a team. And it was very exciting um, because I joined in July of 2020. We started doing our pre-transplant evaluations. And our first patient that we transplanted was November 2020. I get so excited talking about this, even though it was was almost two and a half years ago now, um, because I remember he had six years of dialysis wait time. And in our region, the wait time is three to five years. Yeah. So literally a few years, a few weeks after listing him, we transplanted him. And I remember having this conversation with him before transplanting. And he said, he asked me, he said, Dr. Samra, when do you think I'm going to get this transplant? And from wait time and from his blood type, his birthday is December 9th. I knew he would get transplanted before December 9th. And so I told him, sir, you know, our hope is that we transplant you before your birthday. And we did. That is so exciting. I love it. And I love the month of November because I was transplanted in November too. Ah, It's a great month to be grateful for a transplant. Yes. So good for him. How'd you feel about the accomplishments just of your first year? Oh, we, I just so proud so proud of this team that we have formed, so proud of the service that we provide and just so joyful for the veterans that we serve and for the positive effect it's had on their life, their quality of life, their family, everything that they're able to do now that they couldn't do before. Share some of that with us because that's Um, that's the best part. It really is the best part. You know, it's it's especially really exciting when after the first week of transplant, you have a veteran ask you, well, can I go and travel now? Can I go on a cruise ship now? 
can I go and see my grandchildren in Florida now without having to set up dialysis? Can I spend quality time with them? And that's exactly what's been happening. We've had patients that are constantly just telling us, you know, I just came back from travel to the Caribbean. I just came back from travel. We're planning travel to Europe. We are planning a family vacation for the first time in seven years. It's just been so amazing to see this, to see this positive impact that we've had on their lives, that they've just taken this. A lot of them have told me that this has been like a new lease on life. Yes, and that's wonderful. I mean, because I can imagine that as military, you know, having been in the military, they likely traveled most of their lives and and getting back to travel is probably just super meaningful. That's just, that's amazingly wonderful. So how'd your accomplishments of the first year impact your plans and goals for the next year? Oh boy. So, you know, when we started, there had been this arbitrary thought or goal that we would do 10 to 15 kidney transplants the first year. Well, we threw threw that out of the ballpark. As soon as we did, we crossed over 50. One of the bigger changes was we realized we needed a bigger team. And so the first thing that we started to do was start discussing with our executive leadership, as well as across the entire hospital, the staff, our chief of nephrology, our chiefs of medicine and surgery, that we need to expand our team. So that's the first thing we did. Um, we need, of course, more more clinics. We need more space. So we, we looked at all the operations and all the logistics and have are in the process still of increasing those. The next thing that we've done is we actually have a lot of data now. And we've been able to look back and see, well, how are, you know, what is the demographic of our patients? And as you'd imagine, these are veterans that have served our country. These are older, our patients are older. And the average age that we transplant is about 68. And so what we've realized is that patients don't need as much immunosuppression as younger patients do. Mm. It's very interesting. interesting. Very because there's this phenomena called immunosenescence, which is essentially our immune system is sort of becomes weaker. And so you have a much lower risk for rejection. There's a lower risk for rejection. Why succumb those patients to higher doses of immunosuppression where, you know, as you know, immunosuppression is the cause of long-term complications in kidney transplant. And so that's one of the biggest one of that's one of the biggest changes we've made in terms of from a clinical standpoint. Wow, that's exciting. It is. You completed your hundredth kidney transplant in December. Yes. How that feel to you? It felt surreal. Because, you know, when we started off, when we sat and had those initial meetings of our goals, we had not written, we had not put out in the universe that we would have 100 kidney transplants, 100 veterans' lives, 100 families that we would have affected by December 2022. And to sit and to reflect on that 
And to see the change we've made in this, in our 100th patient, our 99th patient, all of our patients, it has just, it's just been so joyful. It's been so extremely humbling as well. And it just, it gives us just, we want to do more. It makes you want to do more when you see all the changes that have been made. And that's what we're doing. I mean, here we are in March of 2023, and we've done 124 kidney transplants. Wow. Now, are you doing living donor transplants or all deceased donor transplants? How does that work? Yeah, so we do both. We've started off with deceased donor kidney transplants. The majority of our kidney transplants are deceased donor. And we do do living donor kidney transplants as well. The way we do that is we have our partnering partnering university, Loyola University, and they will do our living donor evaluations if our patients here that we evaluate for transplant have living donors. If they deem that living donor to be appropriate, they will then then do the donor nephrectomy at Loyola University, and the kidney is then brought here to Heinz where the transplant, the living uh, related or unrelated kidney transplant is performed. Wow, that's a great partnership. Yes, it is a beautiful partnership with them. So what goals and milestones has the program set going forward? So our goal is to have, to continue to, first of all, to perform the same degree of quality of care that we're doing. And we have multiple goals set in that in terms of allograft function, um, patient survival, which, which are universal national goals that are set by UNOS. So we definitely want to keep those. We want to lower um, how much infection we see, especially viral infections. And in terms of number of transplants done, we just crossed 60 transplants in the last year. And our goal is to continue to be the number one VA kidney transplant center in the country. And we'd like to, you know, go upwards of 70 kidney transplants a year. That's a, that's a lofty goal. And I believe you can make it. I, I, I believe we can as well. I mean, we have very skilled surgeons. We have very skilled supportive staff as well. And we have the right philosophy. You know, our goal is to help veterans lead a better life. Of course, we always have to make sure we do it in the safest way possible. And as, you know, anyone who comes here for a pre-transplant evaluation, Monica, you know, everybody wants a kidney transplant. Unfortunately, everyone is not a kidney transplant candidate. That's also important to talk about. Yes, I do understand that. And I'll have to say that was a hard reality for me to accept that transplants not for everybody but you know also having said that i also think that arbitrary cutoffs like for example over 75 should not be transplanted i don't agree with that statement because something that i have seen now I've, i've almost i've become like this expert in transplantation in the elderly is that we transplanted someone who was 76 years old, and he's 77 now. He is doing phenomenally. He might be doing better than some of our younger patients. So it's so important to take each 
each individual on a case-by-case -case basis. And to utilize all the tools that we have available to us in transplant medicine and to have an open dialogue at the selection committee meetings. That makes a lot of sense. Are there volunteer opportunities for transplant recipients at the VA? There were, and I would need to get back to you to see if there are. And the reason I say there were is because our transplant recipients help our other transplant recipients. And what I mean by that is, so we have our pre-transplant pre group that are on the wait list. And so we had started a program where they would all meet monthly and they would talk to each other to see how long they were waiting, you know, to go through everything they were going through. On the post-transplant side, we had our veterans speaking to each other as well. So especially the ones that were further away from the transplant event. So three months ahead, even one month ahead, and they would speak to the patients who were just transplanted. And they would, of course, give them a completely different view of what to expect because they had just gone through it. What to expect from side effect standpoint, clinic follow-up, what to expect emotionally, what to expect physically. And so we, we, had, we had groups that were set up in that way and we're still doing that. But in terms of external volunteer opportunities, I would have to ask about that and get back to you. Well, I love that idea of the groups and of the veterans helping each other. That is so important. There's nothing more important than another patient sharing their experience with you directly. Absolutely. And that brings me to you and starting this podcast. You know, you're helping so many people by sharing your journey and others' journeys. Well, thank you. And that's our goal is to help as many patients as we can. Also, just to raise awareness in general in the community about kidney disease and the treatments that are available and the best options so that people have a better understanding. Yes, that's that's so wonderful. And, you know, we started when we started off this kidney transplant program, we thought we would have the Chicagoland area. We thought we would have the Midwest. And that has been true. We have had multiple patients from Chicago, from the state of Illinois, from Minnesota, Wisconsin, Indiana. What we did not expect is that we are now getting patients from Florida, from Connecticut, from Philadelphia, from Arizona, I mean, from all over the country because we're a national VA transplant program. Wow, that's wonderful. So I have one last question for you. Yes. How does treating veterans differ from treating civilian patients? So the clinical medicine is of course exactly the same. And the only difference I would say is perhaps the veterans that we see here are older, but the emotional impact that this leg of my career has had over the last almost three years now is indescribable because we are serving those who have served our country. Yes. And to say thank you is not enough, but I am so grateful to be put in this position to help those who have served our country and protect our country. And veterans are, they're, I don't know how else to describe this, but they're made of a different fabric. 
And it's yes. such an honor, such an honor to, to talk with them and to take care of them and to give them this new lease on life. That is wonderful. And no better person than you to be in that position to do that. Thank you, Mom. That's so kind. That's so kind of you, Steve. Our warriors deserve the best treatment available. We're grateful that the VA provides transplants for them. For more information about programs for veterans with kidney disease, visit HeinzVA.gov. I'm Monica Fox, and this is The Journey Continues. Prevention's a key part of our mission at the Kidney Foundation. That's why at the end of each episode, Dr. Melissa Prest offers a health tip. Here is today's nutrition tip about healthy snacking. Savory or sweet, snacks can be a part of a healthy diet. You may be wondering what snacks are best for me. If you do not have a good appetite, you can always use snacks to make sure you are meeting your nutritional needs throughout the day. Smoothies, protein shakes, peanut butter with a piece of fruit are some great examples of how to get in extra calories, protein, fiber, and vitamins and minerals by eating a snack. If you're treated with dialysis, a snack like a hard-boiled egg or half of a tuna or chicken salad sandwich is an easy way to replace the protein loss during your treatment. And I love how snacks are a way to get in extra servings of fruits and vegetables throughout the day. What if you have a great appetite and still want a snack? Go for snacks that are higher in fiber to help you feel full in between meals. You can choose hummus and raw cucumbers and bell peppers, three to four cups of air popped popcorn or a bowl of high fiber cereal with milk or milk alternative of your choice, or even just a piece of fruit. Don't forget about your teeth. Eating more frequently means you should brush your teeth more or do a water rinse after eating to keep your mouth healthy and cavity free. Any way you slice it, snacks can be included into a healthy diet. With today's nutrition tip, I'm Melissa Prest, a registered dietitian nutritionist and the foundation dietitian for the National Kidney Foundation of Illinois. The Journey Continues is brought to you by the National Kidney Foundation of Illinois and sponsored by Donate Life Illinois. To learn more about kidney disease and living donation, visit www.nkfi.org. To register to become an eye, tissue, and organ donor, visit lifegoeson.com. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please subscribe to and leave a review for The Journey Continues in Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen. This podcast is produced by Rivet. To hear more great podcasts, visit rivet360.com.